1: Well, Good morning. Hello, everyone. Um, Chandler, we need to say thank you so much to everyone who has supported the merch drop. We have had so many orders, and it has just been incredible. Thank you so much, everyone. I am shook. I was not expecting it to go this well. Right. You know, we, we never know how these things are going to go. And you know, I thought maybe like three people wanted merch, but yeah, everyone really showed up for us. So thank you so much. It has been so fun. It was so funny. Yesterday, I got some notifications that there were like orders under mail names. I'm like, why is this? Oh my Why gosh. are guys buying it today? And I was like, oh, it's Mother's Day. Of course. That's um, really funny. So I thought that was hilarious. Um, I mean, literally these guys like at the 11th hour like on the day of Mother's Day. I love it. I'm obsessed. Just so you know where the merch will be available for all holidays, don't you worry, one stop shopping, all the things. Um, and also on all things merch. So we're through quite a bit of it, but there is still some left um, and to celebrate. This merch drop we are doing a giveaway right now and if you're listening to this on Wednesday there's still time to enter and theoretically Thursday so we're giving away a piece of merch to three winners um, and all you have to do to enter is leave us a five-star review write a a review sharing why you love the pod and we're so excited to give away a piece of merch to three winners So that'll end Thursday at midnight, and then we'll announce probably sometime Saturday or Sunday because we have to wait for those reviews to trickle in. It takes like a day for Apple to post them. So anyway, um, if you want to enter, you can just go ahead and leave us a review really quickly, and we so appreciate it. Yes, truly, thank you. I just have to say, Chandler, so I posted this little giveaway, and reviews came in, and it's just so – So, so often the reviews are like, you know, some really nice positive ones, but then there'll be like that person who's a little annoyed with us, a little teed off. Um, and so it's so great to just read all these positive reviews because it just makes me realize like how many of our listeners really get us and how many of our listeners are our people and who, love our podcast and feel so like it's so strange. I think our podcast functions as this like surrogate sisterhood to people. Like we're their sisters and they're listening yeah. to us chatting and it's like almost comforting in a way.
2: Mm-hmm. And they feel
1: related to. And for me, it just like it this it sounds so strange, but it gives me purpose doing this podcast. Because what I realize is this is not just hopping on and talking trash. This is really like providing a source of virtual friendship and sisterhood and there's something really special happening between us and the people who listen to this podcast are our loyal listeners and we just love you guys so thank you so much everyone who's leaving a thoughtful review it really means so much to us right and everyone who's buying merch who yeah everyone who's like literally supporting us with their time and effort, with their reviews, or with their like dollars with the merch and with our Patreon. Yeah, we we feel very lucky and very blessed. Absolutely. Um okay, so I want to discuss a few things with you, you guys. So this week on Pop Apologist, we are doing a very special episode where we share the lessons that Deb has taught us. Yes, we're opening the book of Deb and we are sharing all the lessons that we learned growing up with Deb as our mother. And so this is going to be a really fun episode. We're going to walk down memory lane. But before we do that, I want to do a quick rapid fire pop culture you know, moment with you, Chandler, because a few things have okay. happened that are right in our wheelhouse and I want to discuss with you. The first is, did you see the reel I posted about Joe Allen cheating on Taylor Swift? Um, The Dumois one? or No, I posted one on our stories. Do you follow our account? I don't know if I followed the account. Um, (laughs) No, I I don't know if I saw it. I've been very busy on production with work, but walk me through it. Okay. So um, I'm going to go ahead and tell you, you should probably just go look at your phone right now and watch it really okay. quick. And okay. I'm going to, while you do that, why don't you turn down I'm gonna your be volume? It myself. Okay. And yeah, turn down your volume because I'm going to play it for our audience so they can hear it. Great. And then I want to discuss this with you. Okay.
0: Okay. Okay. Hold please. <laughs> All the evidence that Taylor Swift was cheated on by the man she thought she was going to marry, Joe Alwyn. Right now, Joe Alwyn is filming a movie called The Brutalist. I've never heard of it, must not be making any waves, that could explain his financial troubles. But he's co-starring in this movie alongside actress Emma Lard. Now, Emma and Taylor are the same genre of humans, so that's pretty suspicious. We know the attraction is there. They both have those eyes like a husky. Their ancestors probably ran in the same packs. Emma started implicating herself in January when she posted this photo of herself out on a late night rendezvous in England. We're not sure who she's with, but there's these green scooters in the shot and she's looking very dressed up cute. And then right after their breakup was announced in April, Emma posts this photo with the caption, Moments in March with the same exact green scooter with the pouches on it and Joe Alwyn is riding the scooter. So were they out together late at night having a rendezvous, riding this scooters, riding London? Now there's just another reason why... She hates scooters. Doesn't Joe know no scooters allowed? You might say, Patty, you're overreacting, but why is Harper's Bazaar writing an article titled Who is Emma Lar Joe Owen's rumored new girlfriend? Now hold on with that. Hold on with that before this woman gets the Haley Bieber treatment. Well, that's already happening, love. It's already happening in it. She had to turn off her Instagram comments. Not only are the Swifties turning against Joe, but so is Taylor's girl squad. She went out with them the other day, Gigi hadid the Haim Sisters. We still have no idea what the temperature was this day. It could have been anything. But they all used to follow Joe right before this lunch. And then caught in real time, they all unfollowed Joe immediately after this hangout. This wasn't lunch. This was tea time. And at this tea time, everybody agreed. Joe was the problem.
1: Okay, so this is from an account called Patty Pop Culture. I highly recommend indulging yourself in this account. It's hilarious. I know this is... Semi old news. I know this kind of all went down about a month ago, but yes. I, that all these facts really presented in this concise of a way laid out for us. I hadn't seen it before. And I just want to say, I am quite convinced that this pop culture reporter, this journalist is correct. Um, and I'm very curious what you think. I, yes, the, all of these facts. I have already heard and they had already like rang true to me. Um, I think the unfollowing more, more than even just the photos of Joe, like that to me is is flaming evidence that there was cheating because I do think that in a high profile celebrity breakup, like knowing Taylor knowing, I mean, I just don't feel like if it was like truly just like so peaceful that she would have made all of her girlfriends unfollow him. Like, no. And the other thing, I will say about the photos is that I think it's a little bit annoying because, you know, knowing that Taylor had to keep, you know, Joe so private Mm -hmm. that this girl is just posting him in her photo dump. Like, like she's just like every other freaking 20 something. Well, okay. I want to talk about her posting him in the photo dump because this is something I'm going to say. It's very strange to post someone a single photo of them unless you are into them. Why would you ever post in a, even if it's in a carousel, a individual photo of mm-hmm. one person, especially of the obviously sex. of the opposite sex. Also, it's a photo of this is was a month ago. And then you see her in that, you know, very, very sexy outfit. On the same scooter, I just think you know from a from a post back in March, I'm not going. I'm not going to slut shame her outfit. Um, I didn't and slut call shame. her a whore I, that from was her not, outfit. <laughs> I didn't say a whore. I didn't say slutty. I said sexy. I was that was a positive comment about her outfit. It was sexy. No, she looks hot. Okay, she looks great. Um, I think especially knowing that that person was in a relationship in March, correct? Or was at least thought to be in a relationship in March to then yes, use the correct. caption moments in March. Very odd. She wants us to know that this went down in March. I think I literally did a soft launch of Ben in a photo dump and yes. you know, from a New York moments, moments in March, right. if you will, it actually, I think it was in March and, um, I mean, I think also to your point about posting someone else of the opposite sex in a photo dump, like, I don't know that it's always weird, but it's definitely weird if it's like, it's definitely a little bit more um, interesting if someone's like not your closest friend or if they are in a relationship with somebody who's very high profile, who they have to like keep their relationship very secret with. Yes. There's like almost no photos of Joe Allen. I mean, like literally that even in that reel, the guy couldn't even find a photo of him filming his latest movie. That was like, a—I think that was a photo of him and the actress from conversations with friends. So just interesting. Is it also not eerie how, how much Taylor Swift and Emma Laird look alike? It's kind of like gross. Like I feel like a guy who always dates a girl who looks the exact same is very gross to me. Very strange. Um, Okay. But Also, I will say her behavior right now, Taylor's, is very classic I've been burned girl behavior. First of all, I mean, yeah, don't you think, Okay, you never have a great unfollowing of a guy who you've just, you know, run the relationship has run its course. Right. I mean, you want to look like you don't care at all. Even having her friends unfollow him makes it look like she cares. And this is classic Taylor. Taylor is extra. Taylor can't help herself. Taylor can never play it cool, which is why we love her, which is why she's the every woman, right? Mm -hmm. She is all of us sometimes at our cringiest, which is why we just all relate to her so much. The second thing I want to say, though, is that this makes the Maddie Healy situation so much more understandable. Of course, she's doing a high profile romance right now with a rock star with a guy she wants to be seen with. Of course, we have now seen her on a date with him in New York. You know, there are lots of photos of them together. He's now been at two concerts. This all makes sense before. It's like, why is she going so strong with this guy so quickly, especially guys who's probably not good for her and now it's like oh this is sending a message to joe allen you know to the left to the left let's get your replacement immediately cue the beyonce song absolutely i mean and let's get your replacement as literally the internet's number one boy i mean literally maddie healy is very beloved by uh women everywhere i will say right yeah so uh, but once again I just not buying that this love is very real. They just are there; they are still to me an odd pairing. The "I love you, you know who you are" feels like so contrived. Um, even just like him being so publicly at her shows, I don't know. I cannot really get out of the real love is is more private, um, like headspace that I feel like she she conditioned us to be in over the last six years. They're definitely in lust for each other. They're definitely infatuated with each other. There's something really fun and hot happening right here. And I love to see but it. Is it real? Um, it's great content. Do you think it's real? Do you, I mean, and I don't even mean to be. I don't know what's real. Like, are they going to be grocery shopping together hand in hand I when mean, they're 70? Like, do you think they, they're actually obsessed with each other right now? I think so. I don't think it's contrived. I mean, okay. do you really think he is sitting through now two three-and-a-half-hour concerts for a girl he's in a PR relationship for dancing to shake it off in blank space. I, I Honestly, I could see him doing that. He doesn't need the publicity. I don't think it's... I definitely think it, whatever they're feeling is a thing. Another thing, Chandler, so Meghan Markle and Prince Harry were out in Montecito grabbing sushi. This to me was not news I was going to bring up on the podcast, um, but... It has been reported that they were not actually dining solo, you know, a solo cute sushi dinner. They were joined by Gwyneth Paltrow and Brad Falchuk. Really? Oh, man. Montecito. Do you think they have, like, apartment complexes there? Like I could live in? Absolutely not. They don't do apartments in Montecito. You know, it's, it's mansions or GTFO. Wow. Okay. So we'll never live there. We never will. I just, I, I'm sorry, but there are times when I just feel like I should be at a certain table. I should mm-hmm, be breaking mm-hmm. bread with a certain group right, of people. Right, right. And it's, it is a jarring experience to realize that these people that I would consider some of my great friends, Um uh, <laughs> people I know, people I know deeply on every deeply. level, I know everything about on their every lives. Uh huh. If I walked into that dining space, I would be treated as a stalker and they would call the police. Oh, absolutely. I would just love to know everything discussed at that dinner. Did Gwyneth call her out for creating a cheater brand of the TIG? No, no. Gwyneth is much too classy. A glass of wine thrown in her face, you know, like what went down? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I feel like Megan probably you know, showered Gwyneth in compliments and I'm sure they oh, gabbled about sure. the local farmer's market and, you know, what they can do for people experiencing homelessness in Montecito and that kind of thing. I mean, is Gwyneth charitable? I don't feel like she like I ever see anything, her doing anything like philanthropic. Most of the time it's usually like, you know, wellness and profit oriented, which is why she, to me she's a more relatable queen. Um, oh my gosh, I have to tell you, know, you She actually, can't do it all. She can't do to it. i tell you something funny. I was what? watching the Meghan Markle and Prince Harry Netflix documentary last night. Just rewatching um, be- for fun. Just re-watching for fun, because I had nothing okay. to do. I was super bored.
2: Yeah. said K- so she couldn't park- record
1: yesterday, but was is rewatching a Netflix show. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> my you brain said you felt w- sick. You said you felt I'd sick. <laughs> I did feel sick. That's why I was Netflix and chilling. Um my mm-hmm. brain was not firing on all cylinders yesterday. But anyway. I was watching it and it was at the part where Megan was talking about how, you know, she just wants to do charity work. Like she she didn't really care about being an Oscar winning actress. She just wanted to do her projects and then go to Rwanda and do her charity work. Right. Help others. And Kagan was like, oh, turn this off. okay, goody two shoes. It was so (laughs) funny. Kagan, like, yeah. could not stand it. I mean, any any ri- super rich person who's just talking about how they really don't care about anything, they just want to, like, do charity work, is just like, all right, let's move it along. Let's change the channel. Speaking of liars, I want to hear what you think about Raquel in Scandal on the last episode because we see Raquel standing at the bar with Ariana and she is talking to Ariana about her body image issues. She's talking about... You know, whether, you know, the fact that she should be more interested in having sex with Sandoval and maybe that Mm -hmm. bodes poorly for their relationship. All Mm -hmm. meanwhile, she's screwing Sandoval, this woman's partner of nine years. So Chandler, I want to hear your thoughts on this scene. Did you see it? Are you kidding me? I literally, my mouth was agape for the majority of this episode. And if it's interesting, you'll remember that Lala went on Watch What Happens Live and she says you will see a conversation in the finale episode that will like blow your mind. And she just turns to Andy and she's like, you know, which one I'm talking about. This is like weeks ago. She teased mm. it. This exact conversation where Raquel is literally, you know, getting in the weeds with Ariana about the state of their relationship. Ariana is opening up to her about yes. Things she feels insecure about it. Blew my mind. What also blew my mind, Lauren was yeah. the batteries and pens comment from Sandoval. It's honestly astonishing Mm -hmm. like i'm sorry we can all set up amazon prime auto deliver that takes approximately 30 seconds literally i mean this he's just trying to lay the groundwork for like what he's done but it is horrendous also, I actually really don't appreciate him giving such a bad name to psychedelics and mushrooms. Like, please, Santa! Oh, my ball. gosh. Seriously. Okay? This is not good oh. for my brand. Um, I'm not interested Literally. in you saying that for you, the idea of having fun... First of all, also, <sighs> it is so classic being like, I can't just watch a movie or make dinner with someone or take a walk with them. I need to be doing mushrooms at sunrise. Literally. I need to be hang gliding. I'm sorry. I'm only interested in bonding with you if we are doing some crazy experience. Right, right. I mean, that to me is reeking of a midlife crisis. A, a man who is truly lost. Also, like, right. who the fuck goes hang gliding? Like, What? It sounds extremely dangerous. I will never go hang gliding. Sounds really dorky. No offense to hang gliders who listen to this podcast. But um, I was completely floored when he said that. I mean, she's literally asking him, let's just make dinner together. Let's just like spend time together doing like the normal right. everyday stuff and be together. And and he's, uh, yeah, that's not enough for him. Well, and the other thing I want to say is first of all, I think Raquel when she was having that conversation with Ariana, I think she was trying to confirm that Ariana and Sandoval were not cuz I'm sure that Sandoval has told has told Raquel, we don't even have sex anymore. I'm just trying yeah. to bide my time till I can break up with her. I think Raquel was trying to confirm that information first of all. Interesting. Um So that's my theory on that. Mm-hmm. And the second thing I want to say is I absolutely agree. It's absolutely the case that you are not going to want to be sexually active with someone who you don't feel connected to at all. It's not right. like this guy is in medical school or law school <laughs> and he's know. also working a full time job and you have three right. kids and you're married and it's like you're not gonna be this that is crazy. your ships passing in the night, keeping the lights on, keeping the train on the tracks of your life because you're building this life together. No. And Sometimes it's just you know like it's not that's not the situation. The situation is is this is a forty year old man child who has never grown up. He doesn't try to actually connect with you unless you're willing to do extreme adventure sports or take psychedelics in the middle of the night or get drunk. Like yeah, yeah. So he wants like a bender. Yeah, it's like for him being connected is going on a bender together and i guess i just found it complete to be completely relatable when she's like i don't want to have sex with someone who i barely see who like doesn't show any interest in connecting with me right right i really think that tom sandoval is not coming to grips with getting a little bit older and he is literally trying to hold on for dear life to his like I think not that he's even old. He's not even old, in my opinion. But like I think for him, he's like a yeah, a man child permanently 25 or whatever. And he doesn't want to let any of those that sense of freedom and like and youth like escape him. I just also think that you know, Tom Sandoval from day one was the one of the vainest men on the show. Mm -hmm. Um, probably the actually the vainest men man by far on the show um so and that just it's an interesting note i think actually like just be careful of if your guy has more expensive hair and skincare products than you that's all i'm gonna say i also want to say i was talking with our friends about this over this weekend tom sandoval has some redeeming qualities and this is what has made i think this breakup very hard because i i kind of despise Jax. i think Jax is kind of a a miserable person Mm -hmm. but tom sandoval like if you'll go back to richella Tom Sandoval mm-hmm. like spent all that of uh, all that money like to help put that on like Tom Sandoval is by all intents and purposes I think uh, uh he was at one point in his life a very good friend to the people in his life mm-hmm. you know he's like excited yeah. about what his friends are doing but then as we were chatting about it our friend pointed out that it's always about him in those moments it's always look what I did look how I was a part of this experience look whatever how like with Richella thing where he he made such a big deal about how he was the one. You know, helping to put it on and stuff. And I I just thought that was an interesting thing to look at that, like, he is certainly, you know, a, a narcissist. And at times that's been framed in a more positive way for me, but like now I'm just seeing it for what it is here's the thing I totally agree with you but then I I think that like it's such a common thing to armchair diagnose people with narcissism these days um and with being like I feel like that's just like such a thing and so while I would say there's all the traits there's all the indicators I think that you know he's probably not an all bad person but there's certainly a lot of really disgusting behavior on Vanderpump rules to lie the way that he has lied I don't know there's some insane behavior happening. I mean, lie to camera when they said, has anything happened between between you and Raquel to just to lie for that long? Perhaps he's not an all bad person. He's just a very, very lost man child. But yeah, I just, and I I actually, as I was falling asleep last night, I was just thinking about my life and also thinking about what Raquel should be doing right now. And I think Raquel Mm. needs to Check out of reality TV. I think she needs to go away. A la Amber Heard. Maybe she needs to move to Madrid, start a new life, or like take a sabbatical because Raquel's also she's so oh, I young. I think she has disagree. no idea. Well, I just think that she should like go away. And I think she needs to just like try to start over somewhere else. So I think Raquel has no professional credentials. Um she honestly seems straight up like not smart to me at all. And I think that Raquel's best bet in this world is writing out this reality show situation for as long as possible and then being an influencer. That is honestly probably what will happen. But I just think if she had any semblance of like, okay, I don't need to like screw up my whole like life and like reputation over this. Like I could try to like, you know move on and like start over i just i think that that's what she she should do or she would do if she had any like semblance of you know of like perspective but i think that leaving on this note this is then this is her final act this is what she's remembered for whereas if she can come on next season and do an apology tour um and try to revitalize her image or repair her image that's going to be a lot smarter (sighs) i just don't even know what that what that looks like that apology tour it that to me, the sins are very serious. I think she needs a, a timeout from reality TV, but anyways, we can move on. Okay, Chandler. So for this week, we really wanted to, you know, honor Mother's Day and bring everyone into Deb's world. Everyone always wants us to have mom back on the podcast. Episode hundred where we had mom on was, you know, a huge favorite and mom won't come on because we were still cussing. So that's Mm -hmm. the line she's Mm -hmm. drawn on the sand. Lauren, the wall behind you, it's quite barren. What's going on there? (laughs) You know what? I find getting things framed to be very stressful. And so I've just never done it. I don't basically have anything framed in my home. And it's sad for me. It's very sad, which is why we are so lucky to be sponsored by Framebridge right now. Cute frames, beautiful, sleek, modern, so you can just hang your gallery wall and it's good to go. They make it very easy on a lay person like yourself. Everyone, see why FrameBridge has been trusted to frame over 2 million pieces. Visit FrameBridge.com or a local FrameBridge store to get started and custom frame just about anything. That's FrameBridge.com. Lauren, as we made our descent into New York, you know, from our beloved Guana Island trip, Mm. I got excited thinking about. Strangely, tastes really good, like chocolate milk. It's a super fast, easy, quick snack. Also, I just love that the ingredients are clean; they're grass fed. It's twenty grams of protein for one hundred and ten calories. It is just the best protein powder out there. Everyone, go to cleansimpleeats. dot and use the promo code Pop Apologist for ten percent off. That's Pop Apologist for ten percent off. clean dot com. Pop Apologist for ten percent off. But that doesn't mean we can't drop her pearls of wisdom for the listeners. Exactly. If she's not going to come on here herself, then she will be spoken for on this podcast. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, Okay. So the first lesson from the book of Deb that we learned as young Bledsoe girls in Laguna Niguel, California, it's a very important life lesson, everyone. And this is that Nordstrom doesn't actually close at the hour listed on the website. This is huge news. Huge news. It's it's like on a secret men youth type of thing. So there were so many times when we were kids and we would be, you know, shopping with our mom and we would have to get let out of Nordstrom because they had fully closed. Not only the uh, doors were locked, but the gate was down. Like I remember so many times the lady coming with the, like the jangly keys the key, yep. and unlocking the bottom part so that they could undo the, like, the sliding right. security door that comes down in front of the doors and like the the steel rods or whatever. Um, so they could let us out like an hour past close. Literally, I do think that mom was a a healthy patron of Nordstrom growing up. And so hopefully that like offset some of the annoyance of just literally not respecting retail hours. That's what I'd (laughs) like to think. That's how I sleep at night. One would be, we would be shopping and there would just be like no concept of, oh, like these people need to go home. Like the store is closing. It was like, we're going to spend money here. Like they want us here. Like they're happy to have us. We can absolutely stay 45 minutes past the time it's it's closing. We would be like. We would have a, an entire dressing room just, like, filled with stuff. It was just a classic example of how, like, mom just had this energy, which was the world was her oyster. And there was, like, it was total Phyllis Neffler on uh, True Beverly Hills energy. Like, absolutely, you know, and, and to be totally honest, mom was always so charming and always took care of people so right. well. it was very nice was very nice that very nice. I, truly we never got an attitude and no one actually seemed to no. mind. They probably did, but it was pretty amazing. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Phyllis Neffler is truly the best comparison, like an even more likable Phyllis Neffler, I would say. Absolutely. Okay, Jen, what's the second rule from the Book of Deb that we can share with our audience? Okay, Lauren, this one is interior design related. All right. Mm. Uh, here we go. A completely white kitchen is the height of taste and refinement. Deb was ahead of her time with this. So when we were moving into our house, everyone was, you know, like we moved into a suburban like neighborhood that was like with new homes that were like being custom built. And I remember our mom talking about, you know, picking out her kitchen. This is like her dream house and that, you know, she'd never had a brand new house before. And so it was like a very big deal for her to be like picking out her kitchen like from scratch and everyone you know, else you know, in the neighborhood was picking out theirs and talking about their design choices. And I just remember mom talking about like people kind of scoffing at her when she said she was going to have like white everything, white cabinets, white countertops, like white everything, white sinks. And everyone and all of our neighbors kind of did, I would say, like the more Tuscan, like brown granite, like red, mm-hmm. red and brown tone kitchen. And mom from the get go had an all white kitchen. And now who's laughing, you know? Well, it's so true because I remember the model homes for this community that we moved into and we were, um, I guess like, you know, like 20 years ago, our family moved, uh, our parents bought that home. All the model homes, the interior design was very dark, like dark slate, dark countertops, either like a, a, a brown wood and brown granite or like black floors or dark gray floors and like a cool tone, granite, dark countertop. And so it really, you guys, in the early 2000s, this was a very against the grain. Mm-hmm. No one had an all white kitchen and everyone acted like mom was actually insane to be Actually doing insane. This. Yeah. The next piece of advice is also kitchen related. It's that toasters do not belong on the counter. Mm. Or honestly, I will add to this any appliances Mm -hmm. do not belong anywhere in visual eyesight. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. Um, I remember making many slices of cinnamon toast and literally the toaster would still be, uh, you know, burning hot and I would be putting it back in the cupboard, you know, at fire risk because I didn't want to get in trouble for leaving it out because it was not to be seen. It was like appliances are to be like not seen and not heard. If an appliance is in the visual field, this is a huge problem. It's so funny because as a child, I remember just being so annoyed by all those rules, you know, and just being like, can't our home feel lived in? Can't we just casually take out a piece of bread and pop it in the toaster? Just like a normal American family. And now as an adult, I am so this way and I completely agree and I totally understand where mom was coming from and I don't want to see all those ugly appliances either. So anyway, we do really become our mothers. It's true. We really do. Okay. So this is one Chandler that I want your feedback on. Vacuum lines create an environment of serenity and are not to be walked across for as long as humanly possible. Uh, couldn't agree more. Literally, vacuum I lines were, were held vacuumed. sacred in our home and cherished, especially in the house that we lived in before we moved into this house we were just speaking of. There was this great kind of like living room, or not living room. There was mm-hmm. like this formal front room area with a piano, right. and someone would have the task of vacuuming. And if you could mm-hmm. make beautiful vacuum lines like our mom would sing your praises and then anyone who disturbed that carpet they were a domestic terrorist right they were guilty of wreaking havoc in our home disrupting peace in the home um Mom is a big fan of couch lines as well, so that's one of her favorite tasks to ask someone to do is to take a cloth and, like, brush it in strokes across the fibers of the couch so that the couch has, like, these lines in it that make it look like it's been recently cleaned. You guys, this is why you have to keep supporting the podcast because if things hit the fan for Lauren or I money-wise, we're going to have to go back to menial jobs, like literally creating couch lines and also raking the carpet. Let me restate that raking. That's what the K the carpet, because we had this like shag type rug with really long carpet fibers. Okay. And because our mom valued a, you know, a kept looking surface, Uh, we would have Mm -hmm. to get a rake, like an outdoor rake, and we would have to rake this carpet in straight lines so that it would appear untouched. Um, So yeah, those were the jobs we grew up doing. This is the thing I want to say, though. I just want to say that I think there could be people hearing this and being like, oh, wow, like this is like sounds like maybe too, um, too rigid. This was like really stressful. This is like them like kind of like trauma (sighs) bonding. And they'd be right. Well, maybe a little, but I will also say this is just the when you have six children, yeah. you either try to stay on top of things as much as possible mm-hmm. or you have your home to send to a level of chaos that is really, right. frankly, disgusting. And right. one thing I really appreciated growing up was I never had anxiety about a friend coming over and like being like, oh, our house is going to be so filthy. It's going to be so embarrassing. Right. They're going to walk in and it's going to be true. disgusting. Like our home was always, we were always proud of it and it always was kept to a level of cleanliness that was, that was seemly. Um, and I think that's to mom's credit. So I agree. I agree. I mean, also I'm a very clean person. So now I, I do relish in cleaning and, you know, making other people clean. That is true. It definitely rubbed off on you. That's for sure. Yeah. That's for damn sure. You got another one or you want me to go? Oh no, let's go. You go. Um, I love this one personally. Which is the age old wisdom that you will definitely die in a car accident if your car is not the size of a suburban or larger. Mom would act like any car that was like a Jetta or a any sort of any sedan, sedan was a death trap. Literally it was a death abs- trap. Like you had I a mean, death her words. wish. you were suicidal. Oh, for sure. I wasn't allowed to ride in Mini Coopers. Let me state that again for emphasis. I wasn't allowed to ride in Mini Coopers. She, she would see small vehicles like that on the freeway and it would almost like she was about to have like she was going to throw up like yes. she was like she was so disturbed by that people would ride in those cars um oh my gosh it's so like those smart cars sent her over the edge i wasn't allowed to ride in smart car or in mini coopers like a smart car was off the table and i don't think i've ridden in a smart car ever so probably and you know, that's why i'm still here it's so funny. Um, mom would always like warn us of the perils of becoming a quadriplegic, knock oh on wood, gosh. and yeah. these sort of dangerous activity. And you said that the cleanliness thing rubbed off on you. That quadriplegic thing has yeah. rubbed off on me because on our recent trip to California, Kagan got a bike, like an electric bike from his dad to kind of scoot around town in Mm -hmm. um because mom and dad don't have a spare car anymore for us to drive and i just was not happy about this right like i don't want kagan on the road on anything motorcycle adjacent whatsoever so i um decided to regale kagan with tales of how he could become a quadriplegic okay yep full deb move so anyway i behaved like a total psycho to Kagan. Um, and then mom, it was so funny. He was pulling out of the driveway with the scooter and mom made some comment to him about how <laughs> how he better be careful so he doesn't end up a quadriplegic oh on the scooter. And he was like, wow, I really know where you got it from. Truly. like We love it. This is the mental framework we grew up with. I mean, the woman literally said to me a day before I was supposed to go to Coachella, she said, someone's going to throw acid on your face. There was that one minute story of that girl who, uh, like, a crazy ex-boyfriend threw yes, acid on model. her face. Yeah. Mom took that story and really ran with it in her head. She really did. Like, yeah. I think that's, like, really one of the only times that's ever happened. But mom, yeah. in her mind, that was, like, a, a chief risk for us going out oh, into the world. Literally. Was acid ne'er-do-wells. Yeah. Literally, like, you will get acid splashed, like, thrown on your face. And, and also... I mean, to be honest, like, it's not like brain damage or anything. I mean, a horrendous thing to have happen, no doubt. But, you know, it was just, yeah, very, uh, very dark stuff she was preparing us for. Let's, let's move on <laughs> you are, to a new one. I just have to say, Chandler is such a sweet person. The way that she wanted to, um, provide a sort of like disclaimer about how it's not the worst thing that could happen to you in case someone's (laughs) listening who has had acid thrown on their face. It's just Chandler is a really sweet human being. Well, I just, I'm saying it's not like brain damage, you know, like you're still you. You're still like, you know, you're able to to mentally function even if your face is gone. It's true. It's true. It's not the absolute worst thing that could happen to you. Who knows? My mom was so afraid of it for us. Okay. So this is another thing that is you know as a lesson from the book of deb and really this is a lesson for mothers like this is a mother's day lesson for other mothers things you can share with your children Mm or things to be wary of in this case so this lesson is high school teachers especially ap government and ap environmental science teachers have a dark and intentional purposeful agenda to turn (laughs) your kids into whining liberals who suddenly (laughs) scoff at the free water bottles you provide them it's definitely uh, a more niche lesson, but it's it's, it's true <laughs> and right nonetheless. Can I talk to you about a product that you love, that Courtney loves, and that I love? Please. Early Bird CBD gummies are so phenomenal, everyone. They are the perfect They ship to all
2: 50 states, everybody. You got to try it. EarlyBirdCBD.com. Hey, hey, it's Donna from Daily Dose of Donna. Every weekday afternoon on the Daily Dose of Donna podcast, I cover all of the reality TV and celeb gossip and breaking news. I'm a former TV casting director. My husband works in reality TV, and I live for the housewives, the sister wives, the Southern charmers, and the summer housers
1: Um, in our home growing up, there was a fridge in the garage that at all times was just stocked with single-use plastics, water bottles. That was what the purpose of the house. So I, mm-hmm. my body is like 50% microplastic oh, that's because that's insane. like all I drank in college. Yep. Or, I'm sorry, in yep. high school. Um, I guess in part of college when I lived at home. And anyway, uh, Chandler and I both had the same AP environmental science and AP government teacher. And of course, I was radicalized as a tree hugging you know uh now gene carrying terrorist at one point um at which point i took it upon myself to just really chide our parents and chastise them for their extremely wasteful practices Mm -hmm. and mom would just rue the day i ever took this environmental science class uh and mrs kerr mrs kerr who she developed such a hatred for right that chandler has a story to tell us well and this story actually happened i think when our little sister was still in high school um but mrs kerr lauren and i <laughs> both took ap environmental science from this teacher we also adored this teacher um she's the best she her, you know her and deb are both alpha females in their own right and i think that's why they collided in such a horrendous way but um basically our mom was on the beach trail And which is like a, you know, an outdoor track next to the ocean walking trail in San Clemente, walking trail in San Clemente. Our mom was on the beach trail and she, um, sees who she thinks is Mrs. Kerr. She sees a teacher from San Clemente high school and she proceeds to then accost her publicly about the damage she's done to her children (laughs) and the liberal disease that she has given them. Yada, yada, yada. I mean, truly I'm surprised this woman didn't call the police. Um, Come to find out, you know, mom tells us she goes. I saw Mrs. Kerr and I gave her a piece of my mind. And <laughs> we ask her, I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Like, thought she moved to Mexico or whatever. I don't know. Like, whatever. Um, and mom that proceeds to describe this teacher, and we realize it was not Mrs. Kerr. It was our AP government <laughs> teacher, Miss Schick, who was perfectly lovely. Who actually did a very good job of not, you know, giving us any type of dogma or, you know. She made actually, I feel like, a, a a great point to be very neutral. But anyways, that was a uh, mom certainly, yeah, left no stone, un- stone unturned, no word unsaid. Yes. Poor Mrs. Schick, who really did not deserve to be told that she had radicalized. Poisoned. That, oh, yeah. That she had given Deb's daughters the liberal mind virus. Um, right. Absolutely hilarious. I'll go to another one that I think rings true to me today. At the time, it did not. And it was very hard for me to understand But uh, growing up, Deb always said that we don't make money off of our friends. This to Mm. me was very hard to believe because (laughs) when we were, you know, young children getting wrapping paper sales, which actually like on another note, making children sell wrapping paper for like a large corporation is kind of weird. Um, That was kind of a weird thing that public schools did. I realized they got some type of a kickback, but deploying young children in the service of like door-to-door salesmanship is very odd to me. Yeah, I mean... First of all, it's a danger. Yes. Yeah. Though All those fundraisers are so stupid looking back. So stupid. I mean, they're for sure just like a way for like the school to make money. Right. Schools don't need money. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Anyways, but we were never allowed to sell wrapping paper, which was very hard. We were never allowed to participate in any of those contests. Yeah. Because mom just thought it was so tacky. Like mom... Really was not a fan of jewelry parties, of jean right. parties, of people who had a side makeup business mm-hmm. that they could bring over. Um, Mom, <laughs> but the thing is, is it does make sense though, because looking back, there really were so many people in the larger social sphere that we grew up in who did have these side hustles going, where maybe they were selling Kangen alkaline water right. that they you know, could installing your home for a cool four thousand mm-hmm. dollars in 2002 mm-hmm. or maybe they had a mary Kay line that they could whip out for you right um yeah so mom was like always so against that and i think that's part of why the patreon is so embarrassing to that's her that's exactly why she's told me that yeah. that's exactly why it's so embarrassing it's like i mean i'm sure merch is very embarrassing to her for that reason like you don't make money off of your friends so we've really yeah done a number with that one We have really brought shame to our family name with the Patreon. So quick story on this. So our older sister, Ash, when she was a kid, (laughs) she drew like these drawings, I guess. Uh, I wasn't alive for this, but it's a part of family lore. And our sister was really money focused at this time. And she was probably like seven or eight. So she drew these drawings and then she went around the neighborhood, unbeknownst to my mom, to sell these drawings like door to door. Mm -hmm. So, of course, you know, a, a little girl knocks on your door to sell her drawings. Like, what are you going to say? Like, I don't want that. No, so, our sister yeah. sold out of her drawings. And <laughs> so she comes home and she like confesses what she's done to my mom, why she has this money. And then sub- something happens where, um, <laughs> where she, I guess she had more at home. And so, sorry, I'm kind of butchering the story, but. My grandma was there and my grandma was like, which one do you want? And I'll take the other one. And my sister said, I don't want any of these. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really like any of them. Anyway, my mom was uh, horrified by that. Truly. Okay. Another life lesson from the book of Deb that I think we need to discuss is if you want something in life, you better work and earn it. Do you work and earn her it, saying it, baby. Oh, I do. <laughs> I think I received this no less than once or twice a week. It was just one of the most infuriating things to be told. Like, I'm just a tender teen, you know, wishing for a 200 pair of seven for all mankind jeans. And to be told by my mother that if I want those, I need to uh, work and earn it. Right. It, it just feels like an insult. It is an insult. It's an insult to work soft girlies everywhere. Um, I mean, this is why I regularly had already spent my birthday present by February. My birthday is in August. But I didn't want to work and earn anything. So I would just usually every year I would find something I wanted months and months before my birthday and be like, can I get this? We can count it as my birthday present and we're good to go. Well, also I will say, it's not like the working process was particularly enjoyable. Like if we were told, oh, you're going to have to work and earn it. What that meant is, is you're going to have to do um, a steady stream it's, of stray tasks that are very laborious, very tedious, brutally tedious, really. Brutally I mean, tedious. I will just say, and mom knows this, working for mom was indentured servitude. <laughs> Excuse me? I'm- Clearly, and emotionally, talk about this indentured servitude. That is what it felt like, Um, because you were just—you had to completely give over all sense of autonomy and and personal preferences while working for her. Because it was just do every single thing that comes to mind for the next, you know. And and also, I feel like too, she would say, "Okay, you can make this much money an hour," but then sometimes she'd be like, "I don't feel like you've been working that hard." She would flip the script. (laughs) Absolutely. And it was also a situation where it wasn't like, okay, here's your task. It was, okay, I'm going to give you a task every 30 seconds, and they're going to be very small, tiny tasks. Move this Mm -hmm. thing to another Mm -hmm. part of the home. Um, I'm in a neat, like, it wasn't like we could just put our iPod on and clean the kitchen and do a set of large tasks. Right, most of the time it required our total mental focus as well. Yeah, so it was particularly grueling. I do think that our you know our our siblings, we as siblings, I do think we have a um, a child labor case if we ever do want to take mom to court potentially. Um, If there are any class action lawyers who are willing (laughs) and enlisting all six of Deborah's children, let's let's stay close. Um, I know know, it's so funny. Yeah. It's so funny that you bring this up because I literally had a stress dream about cleaning the kitchen, mom's kitchen, last night. No. Okay, and you you want to hear? It's a classic tale. Okay, Lauren. Yes. I had cleaned yes, I the do. whole kitchen, and I had worked a full. You know, I had a very long day yesterday. And you know, back in the real corporate world that I'm in, and I got, you know, so in my dream, I'm so tired. I'm going to sleep. And all of a sudden I hear mom, you know, calling to me from downstairs because I hadn't done the floors. Honestly, <sighs> when you say that, I, my whole body, like it's flight or flight, you know, my right. parasympathetic nervous system is mm-hmm. activating. It's turning on. The thing about that too, is you'll get the like... You'll get the call that this job has not been done up to standards. Mm -hmm. And it's 11 p.m. and you need to wake up for seminary in five and a half hours. Mm -hmm. And it's like your entire body is just racing on adrenaline, on fear, on dread, on despair. Like I actually think the – and this is a different topic but the seminary schedule just made adult life feel so easy. <laughs> like I mean having yeah early morning seminary and then high school and then homework like adult life has felt like a breeze in comparison. Also, can I just say kids need a lot of sleep and like there was we were not going to bed crazy early to get up for seminary like we had Plenty. Of, we had a very full, you know, like life where we had to like go to different activities and do different things. Like the fact that we had to wake up at four fifty every weekday morning was, sorry, it's some bullshit. It's also interesting to me because we couldn't go to sleep until our entire family had said a family prayer, um, and that was another like huge nightly. Right thing, well, where if you went to sleep, you'd be pulled from bed for family prayer. So you'd be woken up. And so it I was think, this thing of like, do I just go to sleep or do I do the twenty minute, right. you know, shebang of getting everyone together getting everyone to, to say a prayer, assembled. And it was just like it added this layer of stress. Right. I think you had more trauma with that particular scenario because there were more siblings beneath you to wrangle. Like it was like you had nick, me and McCall more to like find more people at home versus me. It was just, you know, Nick and I were always doing the same thing and then McCall. But yeah. That's Anyways, true. Lauren, I, let's give my Paris sympathetic nerve system. That's how you say <laughs> A break. it. A break. Um, and let's yeah. move on to another one. Well, I just think it's important. I think the reason I wanna I wanna disclaim all this and just say that like I think that one of the good things actually And bring this to a positive light because this is like a Mother's Day, you know, remembrance episode. I don't know. Mother's Um, Day uh, trauma bonding, (laughs) that kind of thing. Mother's Day roast. I just think that Deb did a really good job of making our childhood like super fun, super. And we had all, you had these amazing moments, these really high highs. But she also like made us, I think, resilient people who were not used to just like like, all the wheels being greased out all times. In fact, it was like work and earn it. You have to check off all these boxes. You have to graduate from seminary. You have to do all these things. Mm -hmm. It was not just a cushy OC upbringing by any means. Okay. Marissa Cooper's we are not. Right. Okay. What's the next one? I mean, this is kind of school related and I think it's a really cute thing about mom. Mom always Wanted us to stay home from school, or she regularly would try to get us to stay home from school. She would, like, you know, we'd we'd be waking up in the morning and she'd be like, just stay home from school today. It's not a big deal. And I think this is very extraordinary for a mother to do and makes her like very special and, you know, always made us feel like very wanted by her. Yeah. I think a lot of, you know, there's some moms who talk about kids going back to school like they can't wait for it. Like they can't wait for summer to be over and kids are finally back in school and they have the days to themselves. I'm sure we'll be mothers like this. But our mom was the opposite. It was like, no, dreaded school has to start again where they take you from me. And there was always this sense of like, if you want to stay home from school, you totally can. No problem. Um, And I think that did. That was such like a – it was such like a fun – idiosyncratic attitude for a mom to have and it also like really worked well as a reverse psychology way of being of like we a lot of times wanted to be at school because like it was our choice if we were gonna go or not and yeah yeah, anyway it was it was cute it was just like one of those things about mom that was just so fun and dynamic honestly too I don't understand how she didn't want us out of the house like all of us making a mess. It's just amazing that she like truly wanted us home at times. And, and maybe there was like some type of master plan with uh, with the reverse psychology of it. But I just I remember convincing her like, no, mom, I have to go to school today. Like I've got a test. I've got a study. I've got like the study guy do blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and well, well, like I had to tell, I had to like show her like reason with it. Dad had much stronger opinions that we should be in school. And I remember one time I had told mom, like, you know, I'm not really feeling well today. It was like in the fifth grade. I was like, I don't think I – I should go. Mom's like, okay, definitely don't go. Wink, wink. So then I proceed to make a huge, like, <laughs> five course breakfast for myself. I'm like doing waffles and slicing strawberries and getting out a bowl to put powdered sugar in. You know, I loved a laborious. I'm sorry, I loved an elaborate breakfast. You loved um, waffles as well. I was a curvy fifth grader for sure. I loved wa- I loved a crispy <laughs> waffle, like three servings before school. Um, and so anyway making this stunning meal for myself. And I remember dad Mm -hmm. comes down the stairs and he's in a suit and tie. uh, And and dad says, why isn't she at school? And mom goes, John, she's sick. And he looks at me as I'm gobbling down my waffles, like Dudley Dursley style. And I'm probably digging into my fourth one, a healthy, you know, healthy portion of maple syrup. And he's like, she looks healthy to me. It was hilarious. (laughs) It's funny. Yeah. Just classic. I think that a lot of the conversations about uh stay home from school happened after dad had left for court. Absolutely. Um okay, can we also talk about one of mom's best traits and best lessons, which is that the point of fu- the point of food is to delight the senses in every possible way and the more delicious the better. Mom was a champion of butter. She was a champion of extra butter. She was a champion Mm -hmm. of salt. I mean, our parents were just all about get the things that taste the best. And this really provided a delicious upbringing. I agree. I think, yeah. And mom did not cook every night. Dad cooked actually a lot of the nights or we got takeout a ton. We went out to dinner or got takeout. I would say a solid 50% of the time. And I, I honestly think that's not a bad way to do it. Like, you know, it was probably easier. A mom and dad made things less stressful because they didn't have some huge meal to clean up after. Um, yeah, I just, and it honestly did give us, you know, pretty, we have pretty rich palates. I'll say, you know, this is, a. Uh- a fun part about mom is she's was so idiosyncratic and like all the ways that she operated as a mom. And she didn't like follow any of the norms or a lot of the norms. Yeah. And so she wasn't about like making dinner every night. It was like, we, you know, it was just exhausting. I can't even imagine right. being expected to make dinner for 12 people nightly. That's a full-time gig. And she also like worked for our, like our family business. She had so much going on. And so anyway, um, I just remember, Um, one time our grandma was staying with us and I think I was really young. So I probably just heard this story. So it's kind of like family lore, but our grandma, um, was a very like dutiful, traditional Mormon woman. And, you know, it was like the fourth night she was staying with us and my mom still had not made dinner. And like we'd probably done El Pollo Loco a night, gone out a night, whatever. Right. And my grandma turned to my mom and said, you aren't making dinner tonight? And my mom said, No. And she said, You haven't made it any other night either. And Bob goes, and I'm probably not gonna make it tomorrow either, Donna. <laughs> and it's just this hilarious, like, could not care less. This is my world. Um, and right. I think I think that just paved the way for us to not, you know, give enough as adult women about expectations either.
2: We right, buck right. tradition
1: as blood sows. Truly. Um. Also, a kind of in this vein, Chandler, another great lesson for mom is that a piece of cease candy or two is not only a great breakfast, but a breakfast of champions. Absolutely. Yeah, we didn't really have, I would say, like sugar or like health constraints on our meals growing up. Um, I guess, I mean, we weren't allowed to drink soda really, like, which I think was a good thing Um, unless it was like a special occasion. But yeah, I mean... We could also, like, if we'd have, like, we could have cake for breakfast if, if there's cake around. I mean, mom also didn't, like, stock the house with a ton of, like, snacks, which I think, you know, it all balanced out because we were just, like, we just ate like adults, I feel like, you know? Like, I feel like... The thing that I th- I think is, like, mom, she didn't have a bunch of unnecessary, like, indulgences around. Like, there wasn't a bunch of sugar cereal mm-hmm. most of the time, Um, and if dad bought it, she would throw it out. Like, there wasn't a lot of um, unnecessary indulgences, but when it was time to indulge, when it was time to have a great yeah. meal, you know, there was no apologies made about ha- having as delicious of a meal as possible with very little right. concerns, Or, like, low sodium or low fat or any of that. Um, Yeah. Any of that nonsense. And I think it just brings us to probably what brings us to the final, you know, lesson from the book of Deb, which is that if anything is worth doing, it's worth doing to excess. This is what she told us as kids all the time. And I think that it really just speaks to the joie de vivre that mom had. And she was not a person who would phone anything in. Anything that mattered, she was going to do to a 100% degree. So whether that was a school project that instead of it just being a poster board was going to be like a 3D glitter you know vir- virtual experience or whatever it was right. she would just always make whatever we were doing i'll just cut in say, i mean christmas alone mom christmas, would stay up yeah but the whole month of december i feel like she stayed up until 2 3 a.m wrapping presents continuing i mean our you know wink wink santa wrapping presents like i mean to this day she still won't even say that santa isn't real um <laughs> and I guess for, for anyone listening, I don't know if I need to issue a warning for anyone listening with kids, but yeah, like mom just, Christmas was a spectacular, still is spectacular, and she just does the most. She does the most, and I think she's just really intent on providing magical experiences and making things really fun. And it just made our upbringing so like spectacular in a way because there was just so much joy honestly it reminds me a lot of amber filler up and how i see her with her kids and making the treats so cute and so special like really reveling in her time with her kids that's very Mm -hmm. much how we were raised and it's just a very very special way to be raised and so we are so we just so grateful for deb we love her so much so grateful for deb truly Okay, you guys, thank you so much for listening this week. Please enter the giveaway. Leave us a five star review. It's so easy. All you have to do is go to Apple Podcasts, type in Pop Apologists. Click on Pop Apologists when we show up. And then you scroll down, you'll see the reviews. And underneath the reviews on the left, it should say Write a review in text. Click on that write us a five-star review, and then we're going to pick three winners this week to give away a piece of merch too. So love you all so much. Thank you. Love you all. And we'll be back with a Patreon on Friday. We're going to get into Vanderpump Rules, the finale. Um, So much to discuss. So excited to chat about that. So it's going to be a fun Patreon this week. We're going to get into other hot topics. Love you guys. Bye. Love you. Bye. That's all for now, folks. Don't forget, give us a five-star review. Hit us up on Instagram at popapologists. And we will see you next week, live every Wednesday.